Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. I'm Christy, co-founding sister at Book Club Sisterhood. Welcome to our last week of Faith, Farming, and Family. I think I have it down now without looking, so <laughs> that's good, finally, after four weeks. Um, this is by Caitlin Henderson. She's a farmer's wife. Um, she calls herself a city girl, but then married a farmer, so she got kind of thrown on the farm. So it's really, um, you don't have to know anything about farming to enjoy this book, because I don't think, I know um, you have alpacas, PJ, but... <laughs> The rest of us, I don't think, have any farm experience, unless you do, Shelly. Yep, I do. Do you? Okay, so just me and, well, Nella grew up on a farm, so it's just me then. Never mind. I'm the <laughs> only one that has no farm experience. So there you go. But I still got a lot out of this book, and I still enjoyed all of her stories, because you can still understand, like, if I had 100 cows surrounding me, I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> I'm not be a gonna, lot nervous. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're kind of big. Um, I watched the sheep lady and I'd much rather have a hundred of those around me. At least I'm taller than them. Um, <laughs> you know, when they're taller than me and can knock me over just by sidestepping a little <laughs> nerve wracking, but all right. So we're going to try to start on chapter 14 tonight. It's called kick off your boots and stay a while. So this chapter has my heart. I am all about hospitality. I love it so much. We actually, um, my husband and I run the ministry at our church, um, the hospitality ministry. So I am all about this. I love it. It's, it's just, God's given me a heart for it. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, so she talks about being, um, about hospitality being more than just what your home looks like, because when people come over, you know, they're going to see who's there and they're going to remember the conversation they have with you. Not necessarily like whose shoes were still out and weren't put away or whatever. Um, so she uses the example of Mary and Martha having Jesus over to their house. Um, and we see the story at the end of Luke 10 is when um, this is talked about in the Bible. Um, Martha's busy in the kitchen and Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening and just soaking up all of his wisdom and all the, you know, awesome teachings that he has for them. Um, and Martha kind of gets upset, you know, she's in the kitchen working hard, doing yeah. all the things. Um, and she's like, Jesus, can you tell Mary to come on and help me? Like I'm doing all this by myself. So he kind of has to realign her priorities. Um, definitely. I'm sure not what he was expecting. Uh, but verse 42 of Luke 10 says, there is only one thing. This is Jesus speaking. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha was asking for Jesus to tell Mary to go do what she was doing, but he's like, listen, she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. You, she's not coming in the kitchen. Like, sorry, you're on your own <laughs> or better yet. Like you need to come sit too. Like, don't worry about cleaning up the kitchen. Come sit and have some fellowship with me. Um, and the fellowship is more important than just making food or cleaning the kitchen. It's like, it's the conversation and the relationship that you develop. Cause just like we need to build our relationship with God, like we have to build relationship with people so that we can get to know them and, you know, get to know their heart, um, and be there for them the way that God has told us to on page 165 at the top. She says, striving to be a good hostess should never be more important than striving to show true hospitality. And that's where, you know, people will remember you and your conversation that you had, not necessarily how clean your house was. Um, 
on page 167, she says, the fellowship, the laughter, the community, and the healing that happen is why we are called to show hospitality. I actually posted that quote on my Instagram page because I just, I loved it so much. Um, but, you know, I, I love our table. It's not fancy. It's just an Ikea table that we put together ourselves. It has a little, an, an ability to, um, there's a, what do you call it, a leaf. So you can extend it. You know, we can have like 10 people around our table and every Tuesday night in bait club, we do have about 10 people around our table, which is awesome. Um, but you know, it's not fancy, but there's been so many laughs and so many tears and so much fellowship. Um, that's what I love about it. Like people gather around and they share their lives with us. And it's, it's so beautiful to be able to get to know them. Um, I've told you guys before, you know, when we got this house, I promised God that I would use it for him. And this is the way he's asked us to pour out into people is to have them over and, you know, let them like, we both are getting to know each other. You know, they're getting to know me as well. And we're building that relationship. Uh, our pastor said this week that, you know, God didn't give us every spiritual gift because he wants us to rely on him and the gifts he's given other people to fill in where we lack. So, you know, he didn't give us, we're not prophets and apostles and teachers and hospitality. You know, we don't have all of those things like God's placed hospitality on my heart, but it might be teaching for someone else That's their main spiritual gift. And that's okay because where they're going to be comfortable, like our pastor, like he's going to be comfortable getting up on a stage, speaking in front of the whole congregation. I'm not about that. I would rather have a few people over at my house and hang out and do that, you know, and that's, that's where we need each other because we need the preacher on stage, you know, sending us an awesome message, but we also need that one-on-one -on -one as well. Um, and that's what God wants. Like he wants us to need each other, which means we get to gather together and do life together. And that's why attending a local church is so important because that's where you build those relationships. Uh, our bait club is our small group at our church. That's the one that I lead. Um, but we have like a game group where they just play board games every week. Um, and then we have teaching groups too, like discipleship and um, Bible studies, you know, so it's just, it depends on what you need right then. Like right now in our bake club, like we're just, excuse me, we're baking things and we're just gathering together and enjoying each other's company. Um, but that's the whole point of the church is to gather together and come together with like-minded people and, you know, pour into each other. On page 170 in the middle, she says, if we can't be real as followers of Christ, then how can we expect to minister to and find communion with those who are struggling? You know, if we appear perfect, people might see like we look, what we have is unattainable. Like I'm never going to get to that level. So why even try? You know, we need to show our flaws. Not everything in my house is neat and in the perfect place. Like there's kids shoes that don't always get in the bin. You know, sometimes they miss but six people live here. So it's going to be a little chaotic. And I've actually, I've had some girls in our bait club. Like, I appreciate that your house looks lived in. <laughs> like we have tissues on the table next to the couch because, you know, we have small children. They need to blow their noses frequently. Um, but the, the point is, is that we still welcome people over, even if everything's not in the perfect place. 
you know, maybe someday when we're empty nesters, we'll be able to keep everything in the proper place, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but we just love the fellowship. And that's what she's talking about here. Like, don't wait for everything to be perfect. You're not going to have a perfect settled house with everything in its place. You know, it's just not possible, especially if you have little kids like I do. Um, but you're going to miss out on opportunities to pour into people if you wait for everything to be perfect, because we know that on this side of heaven, nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? None of us are going to be perfect. So stop right there trying to be perfect. Practice makes progress. <laughs> that's the correct. I think that's right. Um, at the bottom of page 172, she says, let us open our doors and with servants' hearts, see how many people we can encourage, give hope to, and be lights for. We're all called to hospitality. And I was listening to the She Works His Way, um, that community, their podcast last week. And they were talking about hospitality. And, you know, we are all called to be nice to other people, right? We're called to love them, be nice to them, pour into them. So even if your hospitality isn't your main spiritual gift, you still have it in you. Like it's part of love. So we're all called to it to some extent or another. Um, so just move into that, even if it doesn't feel natural or normal or like your niche, it's okay. You know, just love on people. All right. Chapter 15 is called attracting flies with honey, <laughs> learning to be the nice girl. Um, so she starts this chapter talking about how she was not the nice girl. She was a mean girl. Um, she joined a church Bible study with a group of women and they started gossiping and tearing other people outside of their group they started tearing other people down in the church so she kind of you know that if that's what you're around that's kind of what you sink into and she began to do that as well and her husband I love this her husband actually called her out on it was like what are you doing this is not who you are why are you doing this you know better and I love that he was able to be that uh, accountability for her because that's what our spouses should be like we need to be there for our spouses and tell them like, what are you doing? <laughs> so she started to feel convicted and she shared with one of the ladies um, and she ended up getting kicked out of the group because they didn't like what she was saying. Um, so then they started talking about her. So um, somewhere, I don't remember what page it's on, but she says, you know, I, the irony is not lost on me. Like I used to talk about other people. Now I was kicked out of the group and they're talking about me. She's like, the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> like I get it. I'm now getting done to me what uh, I had been doing to other people. Um, and then she points out that, you know, gossip is not innocent. A lot of people like to compare it to like stealing or, um, murdering someone, but sin is sin. You know, we're told not to gossip about people. On page 180, she says, we don't realize the magnitude of its destruction until we are on the receiving end. So she was dishing it out, but then when she had to take it, it was like, oh, that hurts a lot. Like, I didn't realize how much that hurt until, you know, it happened to her. Um, James 126, on page 181, she says, the, well, James 126 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Yikes, that's, it's hard. But that verse just shows you how dangerous your words can be. You know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true at all. Words hurt. And I mean, we've all been guilty, I think, at some point or another. Um, so... 
It's a hard verse, but it's very true. Um, on page 183, she quotes Psalm 141, verse 3. Um, it's a verse, um, I was saying it to keep it in mind if you're struggling with gossiping. And it says, set a guard over, your, over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It's basically keep my mouth shut when it doesn't need to be open. <laughs> Help me to rein myself in. Um, so that's a good one to have in your arsenal when you're struggling with that, when, when we're all struggling with that. Um, all right, chapter 16, keep on plowing, learning to not give up. So, you know, this is, um, she's talking about, um, I think, is this, I didn't write my notes very well. Um, oh, she was getting the kids in the car to go to meet her husband because he was out harvesting. They were doing, um, they call it, uh, she talked about this in her stories a few months ago, uh, custom harvesting. And there, she got so many messages. She's like, sorry guys, like I thought you knew what this was, but apparently there's a lot of non-farming people and they didn't know what custom harvesting was. And she was like, what's going on? Cause I didn't know, I figured she would explain it. So I didn't message her, but I figured thousands of other women would, so. Um, and they did, but anyway, custom harvesting is when her husband goes out and harvests other people's farms for money to help bring in some more income for them. So he started doing that and she was left at home for over six months with three kids. And she would frequently make a very long journey to go meet him and spend some time with him because they all missed him. Um, so... On page 189, I like that she said this at the bottom. She says, I got on my knees and prayed for his will to be done, not just if it suited me, but even if it didn't. The song My Mercy Me, Even If, came to mind when I read that. Um, like you're praying for something, but even if you don't pull me out of whatever it is, I'm still gonna, I don't remember the, even if you don't, I'm still gonna believe in you. I don't remember the words. I should have looked it up. But anyway, this is a big step of faith. When you understand Jesus' prayer right before his crucifixion, because he prays for the cup to be taken away from him. He says, you know, God, take this away from me. I don't want to go through all of this because he knew what was coming. But he followed it up with a very, very important sentence. He said, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And that's what she's saying here. That's from Matthew 26, 42. You know, just because she understood that she was doing God's will, it doesn't always, it's not always what we want, right? God's will is not always what we plan and what we thought was right and what we thought the plan was going to be. Um, but to understand, like, I'm asking you to pull me out of this and to save this person or fix this thing. But even if you don't. I'm still going to trust that you know what you're doing and I can't see the big picture. And I understand that God's doing what needs to be done for the greater good. Um, you know, she definitely yearned for things to be different and she asked God to slam the door shut on custom harvesting, but he didn't, it, it wasn't the right time. Um, spoiler alert, they've now stopped custom harvesting. <laughs> this past harvest, he didn't go out. He stayed on the farm and they got to go to um, the state fair and their son got to show his cow. And it was, it was really cool to watch 
that all unravel because her son's like biggest th- biggest thing was to be able to show his cow and he couldn't do that when it you know his dad wasn't home to help him um and his mom was running the house and the farm and kids and <laughs> a lot on her in her hands then but it's a huge spoiler but if you just go to her instagram page you'll figure that out on your own anyway um but when you rely on god to be your strength he will get you through like she knew that she didn't have the strength to do all of those things on her own but god had the strength for her on page 192 she says and i told doubt and confusion that i wasn't the one holding the pen but that i trusted the one who was i love that god is not a god of confusion so if you are confused about something if the bible is telling you one thing and the world is telling you something else and it doesn't mix it's not true the bible is the truth jesus is the truth um So lean on that. I had that conversation with someone recently. Um, If you're getting conflicting messages, confusion is not of God. Um, She uses Paul as an example on page 193 and 194. Um, And on page 193, she says about Paul, his hardships weren't signs that he wasn't following God's will. They were a measure of his faith. So, you know, in our hardest times, we have uh, no other choice but to lean on god um but his hardships um yeah that just shows how much faith he has because when in our weakness he is our strength um i have a friend that's going through a few things right now and she believes in god so she knows that it's going to be okay god has a plan we had that conversation um but she also has a friend that's not a believer and she said she's like I don't know how he does it. Like, how do you not have faith or have hope in this God that's, you know, has your best interest in mind? Like, how do you get through life without him? I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't have an answer to that question at all because I don't think I could do it. And it would be so incredibly hard that it would probably, I would be crushed under the weight of everything. But because God offers us his yoke and takes that pressure off of us, we can, we can make it, you know, I don't know how anyone gets through life without God. He is such a strong presence in my life and I'm so thankful for it. Um, in second Corinthians 12, 10, it says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We have his supernatural strength to get us through. It's much more than we can handle, right? Um, but when he's there to help us carry the weight, it doesn't seem that hard. Um, I've said this before, but like God just poured peace over us when Johnny went through his quadruple bypass, my husband. And I truly like, even looking back, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Like I know in my head, like I'm a nurse. I know quadruple bypass is a huge deal. It's, it's not a simple procedure. It takes a number of hours. Like it's not easy, but because God carried us through and he carried the burden for us, both of us just felt this overwhelming peace. It's Philippians four, seven. I just looked it up last night, the peace beyond understanding. We can't comprehend, but for whatever reason, God took that off my plate and I felt light as air. And I've said before, like, even one of the pastors came to visit us while he was in surgery and they were, he was like, are you okay? I said, yeah. 
why he goes you're just so calm i was like i know weird right like you would think the wife of someone who's in surgery having a major open heart surgery would be a little freaked out or at least worried but i wasn't i just wasn't and that doesn't make any sense to our little human brains but it makes sense to god because he took that pressure off of me i didn't have to worry all right chapter 17 all our stories are different on page 200 she says he has given every single one of us a story to tell but those stories should point back to him I can look back at times of struggle in my life and see God working. And that's, that's, that's the way I hope that my stories come across in here. I, I want you guys to see how, how amazing God is and how much he just overwhelms us with love and support, you know, and, and takes that load for us. That's how I want to present any story that I tell you good or bad whatever it is that we talk about, I want to give him all the glory because he deserves it. Um, and all of my stories, I want to always point back to him because I know he had a hand in anything that I struggle with. On page 202 at the bottom, it says, it's not your job to decide how your story helps someone. I really like that because, you know, I tell my stories all the time in here at church, wherever. Um, but I never know how it's going to be received. So anytime I know I'm going to be speaking, I'm like, God, give me the words to say that you want me to say that someone needs to hear because it's, it's so cool. Cause after a church service, like we'll come home or we'll talk to other people at church before we leave, be like, wow, that was so amazing. Listen to what I heard from it. And then the other person's like, I didn't get that at all. Like I got this and that's the Holy spirit because he's going to give you what you need. And sometimes the topic of the message isn't even what you get out of it. It's something completely different in left field. Like I've had moments where I'm listening to the message and I'm like, Ooh, I need to go look up this first. And I, I go on a whole tangent on my own of like, God's telling me something completely different. And it's, it's so cool that we can all sit in the same service and get something completely different out of it because we're not all going through the same thing at the same time. You know, we need to hear from God differently. Um, so I just, I always pray that God will speak to someone through my words and that you guys or people in bit club or someone that I'm talking to, you know, they'll hear my story or hear what I'm saying, um, and take it the way that God needs them to take it. So, um, the last page, she talks about being washed clean and how her husband gets in the shower, like dirty, muddy, gross, um, probably more than just mud. But, you know, when he comes out, he, you can actually see the human underneath all the dirt now. And that's what God does for us. He washes us clean. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. And, you know, he's just like that water in the shower. He just washes all that dirt off so that we're white as snow. So, so good. And I know um, she said in this last chapter that she, one of her friends asked her, like, what's the overarching theme of your book? Like, what is it? And she just said redemption. She's like, I don't, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, how did that, it just popped out of her mouth. And she said, I can look back at all my stories and see how God made all this possible. And that his redemption is what I'm talking about in every single story. So, um, she also said like, sometimes you don't feel like you have a story. And when, you know, I first started book club, I was like, what am I even going to talk about? Like, I don't have anything exciting or fun or cool or like, super crazy in my life that I can talk about. Like no one's going to listen to me, whatever. 
Um, I mean, I'm still not, not that interesting, but God pulls it out of you. Like my son having a limp, like who knew that that would be something that I talk about all the time. You guys are probably like crazy tired of hearing that story, but it might be reaching someone that needs to hear that it's not always a situation that needs to change. It's your heart that needs to change. And that's the, the theme of that story. You know, that's, that's the purpose and why I share it a lot. Um, is that, I, I don't know, that was just cool to me. Like God didn't fix it the way that I thought it needed to be fixed because, you know, I don't see his perspective. So I hope you guys all enjoyed this. I know the four of us did because we've talked about it, but Faith Farming and Family, if you didn't read it with us, I highly, highly recommend that you go read it. Um, Caitlin Henderson, go follow her on Instagram. Um, I think she posts on Facebook too, and I think she still writes on her blog, but she's an awesome author. So, um, and then next month we're going to read The Hard Good. I don't know if you guys saw that in the group by Lisa Whittle. Just pulled up right here. <clears throat> it's called um, the tear crook. Uh, she's got a, isn't uh, the other Lisa on that book too? No, it's just Lisa Whittle. Hmm. Oh, featured by Lisa Turkhurst. Yep. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, forward by Lisa Turkhurst. Oh, that's she what wrote it the beginning, the forward of it. Okay. Um, it's called I the heart good. Somehow, because I looked yeah. at earlier. Yeah, I saw her review of it when okay. I was looking it up. Um, but it's called The Hard Good by Lisa Whittle. And it's about showing up for God to work in you when you want to shut down. So let's uh, talk about hope and hard times. Work on, work on showing up for God. All right. What prayer requests do we have? I guess pray for um, my sister-in-law, Junior. She is looking at living in a senior apartment complex. So they go tomorrow evening to look. So that probably will be a good change for her if she gets it. Yeah. And then um, the pre-trial hearing uh, on the guardianship issue is this Friday, April 1st. Okay. So prayers for, you know, whatever it is will be type thing. Um, and then I guess pray for Brooklyn because we don't know what to do with her. Yeah. She's, um, she's stealing quite a bit. Wow. So, and then she just denies stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's so confusing. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> How old is she? Uh, she's 12. She turns 13 on the 2nd of April. Okay. So, I mean, she's taking stuff out of other people's lockers at school. Wow. She was told she wasn't allowed to bring anything else home from school. And today she got a, a hoodie, a size five pair of shoes. She doesn't wear a five. She wears like a seven or eight. And she brought home, oh, she said the girl got new shoes. So who brings their old shoes to school? Yeah. <laughs> and um, a size that doesn't even fit you. <laughs> yeah, head, headphones with a mic. And she's not allowed to use a mic. Yeah. Anyway, so, and, and I don't think anyone would have given her headphones. Mm -hmm. so the principal was a little irritated with her too so yeah sure don't know what to do with her mm -hmm. um, that's hard yeah have they tried to do any counseling with her or anything not recently but every time we've done counseling it hasn't worked um 
the psychiatrist, the uh, behavioral health person that's doing her med adjustments mm-hmm. actually told my daughter to quit trying to catch her in lies. Well, that's the only thing she says. She doesn't ever yeah. tell the truth. Yeah. So I, I told my daughter she needs a different doctor. Yeah. Sounds like it. So I don't know. It's very, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I hate lying. It gets under my skin. It's one of those things, you know. <laughs> All right. Yep. Does anybody else have anything? Yep, I have two. Okay. For my brother Mike, uh, Thursday we go to see a surgeon about his stomach. Okay. Oh. We don't know if it's a tumor or a hernia yet. Okay. Oh. And then for me, I don't know what I did to my hip, but it's been bothering me for a week now. Oh my goodness. Hmm. I have it checked out. Hopefully it's not what they told me. They told me I had bursitis. Mine's hurt for years. Hmm. Oh man, it's I haven't been able to sleep very yep. good as of it. I get up and rub my hips all night long. Yep. Mm. Take care of all. Um, I have an unspoken, I'll share it at some point, but, um, we're just in the middle of figuring out what's going on right now. So unspoken. All right. Dear Lord, thank you so much for these ladies that are here live, as well as anyone listening to the recording or the video. God, we just thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together God, talking about your word and talking about this awesome book, Lord, thank you so much for Caitlin and for guiding her um, and putting it on her heart to read, to write this book so that we could read it and, you know, just hear you speak to us through it. Lord, we pray for Junior as she's looking for a senior living facility. God, just help her to find somewhere that will work for her um, and will help her to be safer. Um, Lord, we just pray over the guardianship hearing this Friday, Lord, just your will be done. God, as we talked about earlier, we just ask that you have your hand over the, the whole situation. Lord, we just want the child to be safe. Lord, pray for Brooklyn. Lord, please turn her around and help her to stop stealing and lying and help her to see you instead of the things that she's going through, God, just help them to figure out what will help her. Lord, we pray for Shelly's brother, Mike. Lord, we pray that whatever it is, that it'll go away and he'll be healed. But if not, then just be with him, guide him through this process. Lord, help the surgery appointment to go well. Lord, we just ask that you be with him. Lord, please help Shelly with her hip pain. God, just heal her of that pain. Help her to figure out what's going on so that she can, you know, find a way to make it better so that she can sleep better. And Lord, I just want to lift up all unspoken requests. Anyone that's listening, God, we just ask that, you know, you guide us in the direction that you want us to go. Be with us. Help us to feel your love and peace in the hard times that we go through. Lord, we just love you so much. And we thank you for your guidance. And God, I just pray that we can each look for your will in our situation instead of trying to force what we want. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you in all things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Love you guys. See you next month for the hard good by Lisa Whittle. We're going to do chapter one, two, three. I almost forgot to tell you. (laughs) Chapter one, two, three next week. One, two, three. Yep. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the BCS podcast. If you would like to chat with us, please join our community on Facebook, Book Club Sisterhood. And you can find us on Instagram as Book Club Sisterhood as well. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Let's grow.